everyone. Quitting, talking. Actually, I'm not quitting. Yeah. No one be alarmed. I still quit. Um, <laughs> and speaking of why you quit. <laughs> so we're going to talk about childcare and like how schools are sometimes seen as childcare. And is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Et cetera, et cetera. And there's something that's going on right now called the childcare cliff. So it's like a big topic in Washington, D.C. The people that are important and decide important things have discussed it. So now we're here to give our recommendations. Exactly. We're the real deciders of this country. Yeah. When somebody important says something, we just say, you know what? I could say that too in a much different way. Or I say, I think they're stupid and I don't care who's on their side. <laughs> So I I don't know. Do high school teachers get seen as childcare as much as elementary school? Like, how do you feel about it? At my last school, we didn't really have transportation for the students. So unless the kid was like, I really want to make it to school today, they weren't going to be there. So I didn't run into this like dynamic, we'll call it at that school. But at my new school, what I'm realizing, especially we had like on the like last day before winter break and stuff like that, a lot of times parents of children who have like, I don't want to say behavioral issues because it's not anything that deep, but kids who can sometimes be a little sneaky, be a little shady, they do their little sketchy teenager things. A lot of those parents don't want to leave their kids home alone. So on days where normally they would not have made them go to school because the parent has work and they don't want their kid to be home alone to do sketchy things, they'll take them into school or drop them off at Saturday school, even if they don't need like the credit recovery or the help or anything. So I have seen it from that perspective, but that would be like with a select group of kids because most of my students, their parents leave them home alone, not like in a weird child neglect way, just in like a normal way. You can leave a teenager home alone for a couple hours. That's actually hilarious because I was the child that was dropped off at school because <laughs> I couldn't be trusted. Because you couldn't be home alone. No. First of all, uh, there were multiple reasons. First of all, I was anxious and I was afraid of being home alone. Still am actually. My husband literally goes to work and I'm like, can you check the rings? Can you? The dog is barking and I'm, I'm locked in the bathroom. <laughs> Imagine being in a meeting where you're talking about like laying people off and then your fucking <laughs> wife texts you and it's like, could you check the rings? Our dog who barks at everything happened to bark. That is his life. I feel so bad for him. He's like a pretty important person at his job and every, at every turn I'm like what are you doing can you come home what are you doing can you I miss you I'm scared anyways that was my mother's life over school breaks my mom would be like I cannot wait for you to go back to school I love you but you are a lot she was like if you could tone it down I think we should let the, the government deal with this but like my mom also got mad shit in elementary school because she was a single mom. So she would work nights. So she would drop me off at school, go sleep because she was a night nurse. I would come home from school. She would do the childcare thing. She would go to work. She would do it all over again. So like there were a couple times when there was like a day that we had to be like early released and the school got so judgy at my mom because she like was sleeping in the middle of the day. But she's sleeping in the middle of the day because she's a fucking night nurse and like they were so mean to her about it they're like wow 2 p.m and you're asleep my mommy's like a hero. every passive aggressive mom over thanksgiving break when i was 
teaching kindergarten, it was really hard because like parents in the beginning of the year are so used to like the daycare or the preschool environment and they are not ready for me to tell them that I can't wipe butts, I can't button pants, I can't take your kid's thumb out of their mouth, you know, all of these things. And that's hard. It's a hard transition. It is a hard transition. My old reading coach used to teach kindergarten in a predominantly Hispanic community. And when I say predominantly Hispanic community, I mean like move to the United States within the last 18 months. So like very, very unique situation of also being in a completely new school system. And she said because a lot of them, their kids like they wouldn't send their children to preschool, especially if they just moved from another country. So their kid in kindergarten was the first time they'd ever not been at home because like they had just been doing the home thing. And she said a ton of the parents would literally stand outside the windows and stare at them for like the first two weeks of school. And she had to be like, we're good, you guys. We are all good. You can pack it on up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My parents would totally, not not my parents, my parents, but like my students' parents, same thing. However, I want to just note that I have been grappling recently with the fact that I want to stand outside of Jay's classrooms. I don't want to leave her in there. I'm like Googling mommy and me preschools so that I can be in that room. Can I get a job? Do you need an assistant? So I do understand that. My friend actually recently got a job that I think would be perfect for you. Tell me. My friend is the lunch manager at like a private preschool. And the preschool is like super teeny tiny. So they like, they're in charge of like placing the order, picking it up, making sure all the dietary restrictions are good, plating it up. They do snack time. Like they just kind of facilitate all of that. I think you would be great at that. I think I would be great at that. So on one hand, I get schools are childcare, but also like teachers aren't babysitters. So it's like a weird both thing for me. Me too. Because they really do serve like a function of society that I'm not against. But it's like, that's not the main objective we have here. Right. That's just like a cool feature. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like a side effect of what we're doing here. But it's not like it's not buy one, get one free. It's like buy one, get a cool sticker. Yeah. And I think like a lot of society functions around like the school day hours too. But I think when we get into issues is like when people are like, oh, well, teachers work for me. Not only the tax thing, but also because you take care of my kid. You do what I say. You blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm not your nanny. I serve a lot of kids at once. It's also like me being your childcare is not the main objective here. Like that's not what I was hired to do. And I think it's teachers are not a service provider. And I think that when you get into service provider territory, that's where things can go awry, where you have like a customer service relationship because that's not what it is because you don't pay me. Yes. So I would, asked our followers how this has impacted their life and a lot of people who work in special education have run into just that whether they're an assistant or a para or a special educator when your kid has an IEP they have a team it's very personal and a very vulnerable setting so they run into this a lot they said I can see that especially in special ed because I was talking to my co-teacher the other day because she works in the special ed department she's a case manager for specific kids and she was telling me how like one of the kids is graduating and like I was just thinking how crazy that is to have that relationship across four years so I can completely see where you've worked with someone super closely for a long time as your child's case manager where like those boundaries can just get so so blurred into nothing. Mm-hmm. I could 
totally get that. I mean, like, it also is so hard to find somebody who you trust with your kid. But, like, I I have a friend who's going on maternity leave and her parents are, like, setting up meetings and being like, what's going to happen to my kid when you're gone? And she's like, I'm having a baby. Like, this one will be mine. Yeah, it's, like, really tricky. And I feel like I don't know that I would do that. It's hard to say never because I've never been in that position. But, like, I know what it's like to be a new mom. I know what it's like to be pregnant. And, like, I don't want to be up somebody's ass who's trying to navigate that for the first time. And, like, putting my anxiety on them. Normally, I'm pretty big to grant, like, they've never been in your shoes. They don't understand. But, like, if you're a parent, you do have a child. So you remember how stressful this fucking was. Like, you quite literally have been in my shoes. Literally. Yes. Every single one of you. That's why it's baffling to me because it's like, you know, like, you know. So one of the reasons that I started thinking about this is because a lot of politicians and political influencers and all that have been talking about the childcare cliff and like how it's going to affect public education. I feel like we've both seen how important early education is and like how much of a difference it can make for children and like I go back and forth I actually struggle with this a lot I'm interested to hear what you think because like on one hand I feel like kindergarten readiness is like a myth I think like academics are not as important as social talk about life skills and like I always hesitate to say learn all of these numbers but I recently started listening to other creators who were like that's a privilege like you being able to say you don't have to worry about academics and worry all about social stuff like that's coming from a place of privilege because like not every child has that luxury to like not think about that because they need every advantage that they can get and that makes sense to me too but as far as like preschool and stuff there's just like so many routes that you can go and every preschool is so different and Mm -hmm. there's like really not that much standardization i taught early head start so and it was in florida i don't know if it works differently other places but early head start was six weeks to three years and then head start was three to five and then kindergarten or head start was three to four and then pre-k i don't remember at three they left us they went somewhere else before they went to kindergarten and i remember we didn't have things that they had to do but we had goals for them and i remember some of the goals i was like this is like kind of hard for a three-year-old like they were supposed to be able to write and recognize their own name on paper and i was like sometimes i don't recognize my name on paper (laughs) and like I would think about how hard it was for them and how long it took. And I was like, not that many kids go to school like this at this age. So like, what's going on with everybody else? So I was never stressed about them not doing it because I was like, most kids are at home till they're your age. So like, you're not going to be behind. But I also wonder, like, we talked about this before, but the milestones for kindergarten are a lot more intense now than they were like 20 years ago and part of me wonders if we all just need to like chill out a little bit I know I wonder that too and then like on the same like side of that coin it's like the conversation that we have about standardized testing though and it's like yeah like we can feel this way about these requirements for kindergarten but like they are what they are right now and like to say like they don't matter like that's not the standard they're going to be held to yeah and like to to not like at least give parents a heads up about what's coming I don't want to like hinder that but I also like fundamentally disagree with so much of it it's so hard I know god I hate it here me too and they're so little like that's what (laughs) always gets me is like it's so serious and then I look at one of them especially actually saw a bunch of them today playing at recess when I left because we have an elementary school across the street 
And I was like, y'all are literally so tiny. And the fact that everyone is like screaming about stuff and makes y'all do this crazy hard stuff. Like, look at you. You're literally so small. Why do you have to write an essay? I know. When I told people that kindergartners are expected to write a three-sentence paragraph by the end of the year, people are like baffled. It's like most adults can't do that. Like if you asked most adult Americans to write three coherent sentences, it would take like a long time. Right. And like that's one of the arguments that people use for like the very academic kindergarten setting. But is this really the answer? I really think it's the opposite of that. It's like, wow, if the adults can't do it, maybe we really need to like scale things back. Like let's really get back down to basics. If everyone can't do something, how did make it harder become the solution? Start way earlier. Before they have long-term thinking, let's make them write in long form. Fucking Lucy Calkins. <laughs> so... <laughs> So the government could, in theory, fix this early childhood education crisis, if you will. The United States has already kind of come around to the fact that children over the age of five are entitled to a free and public education with free transportation. And we're getting around to, oh, you know what? We should also be feeding them. Like, <laughs> And then, um, but for kids under five. They do not get education or food. Absolutely no. not. They're saying, this is your problem, parents. You figure it out. And we have never seen more women in the workforce. And when this childcare cliff falls off, we're probably going to see a return of women to childcare until five. Returning to the domestic sphere, if you will. Or maybe you've never been in the domestic sphere. And this is just a very unexpected place you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. It sounded like there was some emotion behind you. <laughs> Is there something you'd like to share with the class? I just have been on a lot of trad wife TikTok commentary recently, and they make me want to vomit. If you're a trad wife and your own name is on your credit card, you're not a real trad wife. Thank you. So I keep saying childcare cliff, and I literally have not explained it yet. So let me tell you. In September, there was a lapse of federal funding. And without it, parents won't be able to afford childcare because unlike kindergarten, it's not free childcare. In fact, you have to pay quite an arm and a leg for it. This funding was in response to COVID and it included $24 billion. And these funds were for childcare stabilization. Because obviously, if you can't send them to school, you might not have somewhere to send them if you have to go to work. So the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services found that these services spared the jobs of nearly 1 million early educators and enabled ongoing care for as many 9.6 million children. California, in particular, was using these funds to provide cash stipends to providers, renovate facilities, provide supplies, and personal protective equipment like masks and stuff, and materials for training and support, and family fees were waived. So providers could continue to be paid based on enrollment while families were given some kind of financial relief. And these are all wonderful things, but now that the money has gone away, they're saying that, 70,000 child care facilities could close. That seems significant yeah. because even without that, to get child care, the wait list is like two years, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. I mean, people have been talking to me recently about like, what are you going to do for Jay? Because she's turning two in May and I am really struggling with like, where do I send her? Do I send her? What kind of school do I send her to? Because she needs to be on a list right now because you'll call and be like, okay, she's two. And they'll be like, okay, we'll see you in nine months. My friend called when she was literally 
really like pretty early pregnant, like four months pregnant mm-hmm. to be like, hey guys, gonna need childcare like seven months from now because she was gonna take maternity leave and all that. And they were like, we actually have a year and a half wait list. And she was like, how does that make sense? And they were like, well, s- most people put their names on the wait list when they start trying. That is fucking insane. That is insane that before you're even pregnant, you put your name on the wait list. I remember being pregnant with Jay and me and like thinking about this. And places are so ungodly expensive. And there are like really fancy private preschools around here. And I'm like, I'm not going to send her to a place like that unless they become free real quick. Unless someone's feeling real nice. Unless the whoever handles their financial bookings is a fan of yours and just wants to overlook a bunch of stuff real quick. Yeah, I'm not spending two to $3,000 a month. You could literally buy a beach house. I know. It's like more than my mortgage. Fuck that. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. So there is something called soft infrastructure and soft infrastructure are the kind of things that keeps the economy going and that's things like childcare. So as we know, things like childcare and the public education system allow parents to show up for work. And these are very central parts of our society that we saw like crumble during COVID. And I think like yeah. I felt that where it was like not about getting back to school when it was safe to do so. It was always everybody needs to get back to work. So teachers, you need to sit in this these rooms with these kids and figure out how you're going to facilitate that. You're so right. And it was just always so obvious that all they cared about was the grownups getting back to work. And teachers had to facilitate that in a way that was not necessarily safe. And I think you mentioned like, and it happened to me too, where like we're having to do our seating charts and on paper they're saying the kids have to be six feet apart. But then you go in there and they send you with like a meter stick and they were like, well, three is kind of good. They were like, hey guys, make sure the desks are three feet apart. My admin would not shut up. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was the who. It was some international organization that was saying three three feet. And I was like, but how come we don't follow any of their other guidelines? Why would y'all only pick that one? And then everything else is from the CDC. It kind of just seems like you're picking guidelines based on what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, really obvious and weird. And like the public discourse was like very pro-teacher. For like five minutes. Yeah. And then it was that we were public enemy number one because we were the reason that the economy was stalled and people couldn't go back to work. And fuck the teachers unions for making sure that we're safe. It was just a very, a very quick 180. It was like really jarring, yeah. that 180. I had kind of forgotten that. I was like, whoa, let's chill out. I know. <laughs> I thought y'all liked us. When y'all had to teach your own kid how to read, y'all loved us. It was like while the kids were still home, but they were like, like these damn teachers don't want to work. And it's like not that at all. It's not that at all. It's just like the common cold kicks my ass a few times a year. You want me to go in there during a pandemic and try to get these kids to like not get COVID repeatedly or me not get COVID repeatedly? Like it's this tension between teachers and what they're dealt because no teacher has a fucking say in anything. And then there's people that are like, well, I need to go to work. So I need to drop my kid off. Whether they're sick or not, I gave them Tylenol this morning. Maybe they threw up in the car. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. 
I'll see you at 3 p.m. Like, that's kind of... (laughs) I so struggle. Like, I always see teachers talking shit about parents that do that. And I hate to be, like, this person who stops you from talking shit because we all know that we're really passionate about talking shit here. And I'm not saying complaining. Complaining is different than talking shit. I think it's a valid complaint as a teacher. But for those of you talking shit, do you think that's anyone's first motherfucking choice? Like, (laughs) do you think that they wouldn't prefer to stay home with their child that day? That is so... So valid, honestly. And I will back you up on that because I know for a fact you got to be in a really fucking hard position to do that. To do that. Yeah. The only person that I will allow people to talk shit on because I've encountered it once is there was a dad I had one time who would always do that. And I knew for a fact he was playing video games all day because I knew he worked at night and he had told me that he just played video games all day. So whenever he did it, I was judging. But anyone else, I'm mad at you, but I'm not judging you. It's like I get both things. I also, I don't know the answer to either thing. I think the answer is we get someone in Congress that has had small children in the last five years. Like you could get days off, like sick sick leave at work that you could use for caregiver leave. Something around... I'm not I'm not speaking legally here. I'm speaking vibely. Yeah. Like yeah. the FMLA vibe of how like they can't fire you for stuff like that. Like that should be kind of the rule, but not a part of FMLA because I don't know how that works legally. And this would just be one day. But there should just be like things around that. I have been dying to talk about the FMLA drama that's been going around about Kite Baby recently. Do you know about this? Oh, I s- can you explain it? Because I saw it and I think I know what happened from context clues, but I didn't witness it. So like FMLA, right? Like you can't be fired for it, but you like also they like sneakily will get around it where it's like people will like look for reasons to fire people that are about to go on leave or about to have a child or adopt or whatever. And I'm sorry if I'm getting some of this wrong. It's all in the tickety talk. But my retelling of it is that there was this employee and her baby was born into the NICU. And when you have a baby that's born into the NICU really, really early, you know that you're going to be there a while. And it's a very like draining, stressful situation. And she works for Kite. So like, like y'all are a baby company. You should be fucking respecting baby. Right, right. And parents in general. So she could do her job from home. So she wrote in and she was like, hey, here's the situation. Basically, they said, you can have two weeks. Good luck. And that's nowhere near enough, especially because she had to drive hours, like I think nine hours to the NICU. Oh my God. Yeah. And you don't want to leave your baby. Like you want to be there with your baby. So she was like, that's not going to work for me. Like And then they rescinded the offer of two weeks. Took it back. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, wait, why didn't she apply for FMLA? Well, you have to be somewhere for 12 months. The only reason I got FMLA leave with Jay is because the school district counted it starting after my paid leave ended for California, not from the birth of my baby. I don't even know what kind of gymnastics they had to do to get me to qualify because it actually made no sense. They made that shit happen. They did. But you'd think that like a company that's so focused on mothers and babies would. So the Bamboo PJ community is up in fucking arms. The CEO apologized twice and it was like not good either time. And I love the passion that's happening. We should all be very, very pissed about this. But then also, I would like us to be more pissed about it. I would like us to take the rage that we feel in our souls and like level it up. Level, yeah. Because like it is such a widespread issue. Yes, you'd think a mother, a company focused on mothers would have a better policy in place, but they don't have to. And that's by design. Like that's systemic that our government has decided that they do not value mothers or parents 
outside of caring for children in the home. And that's exemplified by not only the kite baby situation, the fact that the FMLA leave is a mess like it is, and you have to jump through all these hoops. Like I was explaining to my friend who's pregnant right now, I was like, there's paperwork that you have to file post-birth. There's paperwork you have to file pre-birth and you have to like keep it all straight. Like it's such a gymnastics course to get access to this shit. And it's because they want moms home taking care of babies if men had to do it this would be would not be an issue oh my god no if men had babies you could literally hire a nanny like for free from the government on an app on your phone and they have already been like trained background checked everything and they would show up at your house within five minutes like a fucking uber a hundred million percent so like i am so of the mind that like we should be madder about this and like take it further (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look into your company's policy get pissed at them be like i saw kite baby that did this to this employee and you do the same thing to me you motherfucker i know you would don't be fake the last company the company i used to work for they had i don't want to say really good parental leave because it's still in my opinion not enough but statistically it was really good compared to everyone else they had gender neutral three months off so it doesn't matter you're the dad you're the mom whoever you are if you have a new baby you get three months off. Nice. Completely off. And then I think if you are, if you gave birth, you also get, it was a month of called like ramp up. So you'd be like part time and work from home for a little bit. I think everyone should get six months off, but people call me a communist when I say that. But anyway. Or just European. (laughs) Aren't they the same thing? (laughs) According to everyone in the US. There was a guy that worked for that company. His wife was having a baby and her company, I don't know where she worked, but her company fucking sucked. So he got twice as much leave as she did when she had the fucking baby. And I was so mad on her behalf. I was like, if you're in those shoes, you can make a choice to either be grateful that your husband is there or be violently angry that he gets more time than you do. And I would be violently angry. That's crazy. When I really like examine where my politics comes from, I'm like, I think I'm just like channeling my feminine rage into screaming at people that make laws or corporations or countries. Individual lawmakers, lobbying groups, countries, school boards, city councils, state council. Yeah, I was like trying to examine myself and I was like, I think I'm really mad at everyone. Like, I think you'd be really hard pressed to find something that I'm happy with structurally. But I think it's REI, but someone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. REI had like forever ago, like before it was trendy, like in the 80s and 90s, had free childcare on site for their employees because like REI is like a hippie ass organization. Like they give all their money to the trees anyway. So they do that for their employees. And apparently, not only was it free on-site childcare, apparently it was bitchin'. Like, it was very, like, outdoors-based. The kids were climbing. They were, like, using REI equipment and, like, had all this cool stuff. And apparently, there's, like, a generation of REI kids, and a ton of them went to go work for REI because they had such fond memories of being a child there. So... Companies, maybe a capitalism W. If you're playing the long game, maybe a W. Yeah, hell yeah. So we asked you what you feel in this realm, and you said many things. Okay, as a kinder teacher, I strongly disagree with school equals daycare. I had a kid that admin called my son because I was the only one with the patience to keep him. Um, my AP brings me kids that are quotes too much for ISS. He says, "Will you babysit?" I would actually love that job. 
I love the kids like that. The kids that are too much for ISS. Yeah. My students figured out a life hack that I immediately shut down. The ISS teacher does not take their phones away, but I do. So they would, they'll be like, can I go do my work in the ISS room? And I'm like, why? I literally am so annoying when they try and do that. I'm like, oh, you're not on the list. Good job. You're not in trouble. Why would I send you there? You're not in trouble. <laughs> oh my God, these kids. They're sick of me. They're so sneaky. But honestly, if I was in charge of ISS, I would let them go on their phones. Like, it's a lot going on. You're already in captivity. iPhones are the pacifiers of high school. I'm like, here's your binky. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's hilarious. Um, A kid came in this morning. I have a fever and my mom is going to get me in three hours. Typing this as the neighbor's kid is at my house since they forgot school got out early. You're a good neighbor. You are a good neighbor. If my neighbor said that, I'd be like, oh my God, that is so crazy. I just had my house chemically cleaned and they said that no one can enter it for 48 hours. So actually, can I come over? They can play until the streetlights come on, just like they did in my day. They're good. They're good. I worked for a private school last year that refused to cancel school when the power was out. It was 30 degrees outside. No heat, no lights because the parents had to work and would be upset if their kids didn't have childcare for the day. I bet that comes into play with the two-hour delay thing. I bet it does too. One district nearby to me, they had a very cryptic Facebook post that people were arguing in the comments about where they said that they were having a two-hour attendance delay, but school would be open at the normal time. So people were like, do do I have to bring them? Do I not? And what I think they meant is like, you can bring them two hours late. We're chill with that. But if you have to get to work, capitalism's 24-7. So our doors are open. An interesting system. Teachers but like, were mad in that comment section. I bet. I was liking people's comments, getting everybody all riled up. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, because like we talked about before, not everybody has a fucking Honda Civic or whatever. Exactly. Some people have a nice car. <laughs> Do I get a two-hour delay to come to school as a teacher? One day we're going to be like nurses where they pick you up on a snowmobile. Oh. Mark my fucking words. It's coming. Absolutely. <laughs> um, this, I, this is really interesting. Our schools are seen this way because we're forced to make up for gaps in other social systems. Oh, I love the way you explained that. Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, I love – that is the perfect – that's way better than my it's buy one, get a free sticker explanation. Yeah, that was remarkable. Damn. Oh, okay. You ate, you ate that up. Wow. Yeah. I'm really not over that. Somebody said in all caps, I am teaching while providing care for your child. It can happen at the same time. Please rebrand to early childhood educators, not daycare workers, and we may get somewhere. So true, bestie. I literally thought those were separate things. They... Because I thought ECE was like through preschool. From what I've gathered, most daycares are providing early childhood education, but legally they do not have to be. Like an early Head Start is federally funded, so legally they do have to. But I know most daycares... They might not be legally providing instruction based on benchmarks and guidelines, but they are teaching and learning and doing things. So I think that it's, you're right, it's a very strict line when it comes to funding. But when it comes to just like, is this education or daycare? I think in daycares, it's a lot of gray area because they're private businesses. So I think it just kind of depends. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm so like, I'm so out of the loop about that because this person says she gets seen as a glorified babysitter. But she's like, I have my associates in CD plus EED, which I'm assuming is childhood development and early education. Yes, I think so. And that makes sense. A lot of higher end, nicer daycares do require their staff to be 
have some kind of qualification, whether it's an associate's, a bachelor's, a certification, whatever. I know nannies are like that, too. There's agencies that are specifically for nannies with college degrees, which is interesting. I wonder if you could fake it. I wonder how hard they look into that. Probably. I don't know. This person says that people will send their kids to school for the free doctor visits that her district provides. Um, I would too. Can you take them just for the doctor? Like, it, like instead of dropping them off, can you just be like, this is what I would do. I would drop them off and be like, he wasn't feeling well, so I thought we should let the doctor decide. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of spin it that way. Like, you're, you're just looking for medical expertise because you weren't sure. We, don't, we didn't even have a school nurse every day. There was a school where I didn't have a school nurse at all, but there was a school that we had one two days a week, and that was like a luxury. You can only break a limb on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Otherwise, you have to sit in the main office and just wait for them to call the pe- not pediatrician the paramedics yeah (laughs) not for everything some things they just will sit you in the office and be like do you want to hang out here for a while and then go back or like i would have a nap mat in my classroom and they would lay in the library oh to be on a nap mat in the library right now oh my gosh so there was a violent behavior that resulted in a room clear which is when you um all your kids have to go and the the child that's having the situation stays. So they called the mom and the mom said, during school hours, he's your problem. I was praying and hoping that someone would submit that because I have heard that sentiment a lot, not directly to me. No one has ever said that to me. But I've heard a lot of people saying people have said that to them, and I've never really believed it. So I didn't want to bring it up. But that's insane. She sounds tired. But also, maybe she needs help, like more than a school can provide. Like that person pointed out. This one says, I taught band and I was seen as child care for the classroom teachers during their prep. I have heard that sentiment from specials teachers that they feel like that. You take them. Yeah. Which like, I'm mood. not going to lie. <laughs> it is nice to have prep where there's not children. Yeah. I've noticed prep goes a lot better when I don't have kids with me. When I do have kids with me, I can get stuff done. It just usually ends up kind of shitty. When we have lunch, they don't have to go to lunch, but during lunch, you need to pick a place and stay there. So their choices are supposed to be the lunchroom or the media center if they have a pass for the media center. But we're allowed to keep them in our rooms. And I told the kids the rule is if you want to eat lunch in my room, that's fine. But don't make me watch you. Mm-hmm. Like you need to have it together enough that I can leave you alone. Mm-hmm. This is not babysitter time. This is my time to eat my salad and go use the restroom. So if you're going to infringe upon that, I'm putting you back in that loud ass cafeteria. And your special salad time is quite sacred. It is. You make good fucking salads and how dare they? Sometimes they get jealous. Well, yeah, they look delicious. They're like, what is that? Was your salad in a Cool Whip container the other day? It is usually in a Cool Whip container. It's just literally the perfect size. Is it good for shaking? They're pretty, they're good for shaking. That lid is on that bitch. Yeah, see? Like it's a good like snaps on there and it's literally the perfect size for a salad. And specifically... I'm technically not using Cool Whip. I'm using the like so delicious coconut dairy-free version of it. Oh, I didn't even know that existed. It's so good. It has way more calories, but I think it tastes a lot better. I'm going to try. And it also doesn't have like whatever literal chemicals they're putting in Cool Whip to make it five calories. I'm like whatever the opposite of a clean eater is. I'm like, well, somebody was like talking about adding extra craft. You can like buy extra craft macaroni and cheese powder on Amazon apparently, and you can add it to your mac and cheese. And I was like, oh my God what a hack and i opened the 
the comments and they were like, extra toxins, that shit's going to kill you. And I was like, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yes. No, we're not adding it. Clean eating. Clean. Anyways. What always gets me, not to be a hater, but I just think it's ironic. The people that I know that were the most clean eaters and I've ever met in my life were the gajillionaire real estate agents I worked with in Miami, but almost all of them also had plastic surgery done. So I'm like, so you're not eating the toxins, but you are fine with injecting it directly into your face. They said, you've heard of microplastics. Now introducing macroplastics. No, literally, they would be like, oh, I always use glass containers. And I was like, you have 30 cc's in you. <laughs> it's interesting the things that we as people will like, the, the like contradictions in our life that exist. I was like, I'm glad you feel good about that. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm happy that you feel safer with that container. Well, thank you guys for to talk about child care. I wish our government would talk about this, but they're too busy talking about weapons of mass destruction. They love those. My favorite was when Joe Biden was like, we can surely afford another war. And I was like, we can? I thought we couldn't afford anything. Like, sir. Daddy, I thought we were millions broke. Millions of children are without <laughs> child care. I feel like our government is a parent that spends the grocery money on lotto tickets instead of getting us craft mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not even asking for, like, the Air One no. broccoli slaw that's $47. I literally just want craft mac and cheese. They're pissing me off so bad. Oh, mm. anyways. Well, this has been Teacher Quit Talk. We hope that you didn't have to quit because of lack of childcare. And if you did, I'm so sorry about that. Solidarity, sisters. I'm with you. I'll be back when I can use school as childcare really coming full circle for us here. (laughs) Have a good day at work, everybody. Bye.